and it, it really shifted this perspective for me of you know people they're in school they want to become an attorney and it's like okay great i've become an attorney now i've got a job i'm now an attorney like i, I have arrived yeah um and i never felt like i arrived i always felt like there's so much i don't know and so the more i learned the more i realized how much i did not know and part of our downfall i think as humans is we think we know but if we don't know that we don't know welcome to the what next podcast hosted by Sean Reed, where we pay it forward through conversations. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey to discover what's next for you. Lisa, how is your mental health today? My mental health today? Hmm, interesting question. Better, I would say, than the last few days, and I'm not sure if I can really pinpoint the reason. So actually, it's interesting that you asked that question because the last i want to say maybe week week and a half i've been thinking about um what the acronym sad actually means seasonal affective disorder yeah. right um and it could have been related to twitch it mm-hmm. could have really been related to because i know that this is a time of year where people seem to feel down for different reasons they either feel like they're not been progressing um, in their goals in life. They might feel lonely for many different reasons. And Christmas is usually my favorite time of year. I usually get very excited. From December 1, I'm like super, super <laughs> excited. Put up Christmas decorations, maybe sometimes in November, but definitely by December 1. And this year, that did not happen. Mm. So this year, around the middle of November, I noticed that some of my neighbors actually had their decor out. Right. And I was like, hmm, nice early, but all right, cool. I traveled, and everything was Christmas. I went to Cayman, and I was staying with friends. They had all the decorations out. One friend in particular had this massive Christmas tree. It's like a three-story building, right? And the, <laughs> and the Christmas tree reached up to the second floor. Yeah. And you can see it through the window when you drive up yeah, in the driveway. that's pretty cool. And I was just like, so much Christmas stuff. And then everywhere you drive around, there's Christmas things. And then I came back to Jamaica. When I lived with my parents, I was usually the one who insisted on putting up Christmas decorations, including a tree. Mm. If it was up to my mother, it would not happen. And lo and behold, I stopped by the house, and all the Christmas things are out. And I was like, (laughs) what is going on here? Then I reached home, and my complex gate had the big Merry Christmas on the gate. (laughs) So I was greeted by the Merry Christmas on the gate, and the entire driveway coming up lights and all these things nothing wrong with that that's fine but i had a hard time getting into christmas spirit this year it's now after christmas and i still feel a little bit in shock that christmas came and went and i don't feel or didn't experience the excitement that i normally feel about christmas um so when you ask about mental health i want to say for the last week or two weeks I've been trying to figure out why it is I'm not excited about Christmas and I, because I couldn't pinpoint a specific reason I wasn't feeling lonely I wasn't mm. feeling particularly overwhelmed I wasn't feeling distressed or anxious but I just wasn't feeling my usual yeah. excited Christmas self and for me the whole thing is a big experience meaning the temperature changes so the, the 
you know, there's generally like this lighter, cooler yeah. atmosphere, irrespective of whichever country you're in. I mean, in Jamaica, we call it Christmas breeze. We haven't really had that the last <laughs> couple of years, but the atmosphere is lighter. It's breezy. Somehow people seem a little friendlier, apart, from, a, apart from the crazy people on the yeah. road who are rushing around trying to do things and get a million and one things done. Um, work slows down. Work slows down. Friends and family who don't travel for most of the year, Christmas time is the time that they would usually travel. So there are a lot of things to look forward to. Um, this year, I really didn't want to focus too much on material things, so I made the decision not to give gifts mm-hmm. at all this year, except for my immediate family, um, which in itself was difficult for me because I usually I have a lot of godchildren and I have a lot of young people in my life, so I usually shop for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that giving is one of my love languages. So I, 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 in some ways, I think part of that was maybe why I felt a little out of sorts, but it wasn't that I was sad about not giving gifts. It was more, I just didn't want to be that to be the focus this year. So I decided not to buy gifts, um, which then meant I was less busy. Although I'm usually a early shopper, so I don't usually do the... I hate the last-minute shopping around, so <laughs> I usually would buy things throughout the year, especially if I travel and pick up Christmas gifts. So by the time December comes, I'm not buying anybody right. gifts. Maybe one or two. Um, yes, I didn't have that. I did go on the road to help other people buy gifts, but even that seemed different. The road wasn't as crowded, not that I was complaining about it. <laughs> Um, the stores were not as crowded, but it just felt weird. And then the other thing is that I usually bake a lot at Christmas time. So I used to bake a lot when I was younger and over the years, I've slowed down quite a bit, but Christmas time is usually the time I would bake most. Mm -hmm. I did not bake until Christmas Eve. (laughs) I baked Christmas pudding with my mother maybe the 20th, 21st, somewhere mm-hmm. there, which was fine. But I didn't do my usual baking until Christmas Eve. And even, I, well, one, I don't bake when I'm in a bad mood. I wasn't in a bad mood, but I generally, as a rule, don't bake when I'm in a bad mood. I don't like to cook when I'm in a bad mood. Those okay. things, to me, come out in whatever you're making. That's interesting. Um, and so Christmas Eve came. I baked late as in, I would have probably baked from earlier in the day, but I just wasn't really feeling it. So mm-hmm. I didn't want to force it. And then at the end of Christmas Eve into Christmas, when it had turned over midnight into Christmas Day, I was still a little in shock. Like Christmas Eve came, went, I baked, <laughs> and I still not feeling Christmas. <laughs> so yeah. it, and I was like, I just, I just feel like I want Christmas to be over. Wow. Which was weird. Wow. It was it, it, it was really weird because I'm always looking forward to Christmas. And yeah. this is the first time in my life I think I've ever had the feeling of, I just want Christmas, Christmas to be over so that I can like not have this expectation or anticipation of Christmas Day. Right. And it's not because I'm not grateful for the birth of Jesus. We know that it's maybe not a specific day. It's not because I'm not... Um, excited about seeing family and friends or sharing food and creating memories i just for some reason was not excited about christmas at all 
So now that Christmas is gone, no, I'm happy. in a much better space ment- <laughs> mentally. Not that I was really sad. I was just kind of in this weird in-between space. Well, that's interesting. The the expectation of a particular mood, when, you do the, when the expectation is not met, it makes you sadder or worried or concerned. I don't know if I was sad or worried or concerned. Well, I was concerned. concerned. I was a little concerned that I wasn't excited about it because I've experienced Christmas. So for me, when I when I whenever I spend Christmas outside of Jamaica, it feels like Christmas doesn't come. Oh, okay. That that's partially because Christmas in Jamaica is very different from most other countries. In the U.S. and Canada, they tend to celebrate their Thanksgiving more the way that we celebrate Christmas. So mm. Christmas is kind of like a anticlimactic event you know you don't find businesses closing down people are going to work all kind of things whereas in jamaica for sure christmas day people are generally not working unless you're in financial institution in industry Mm -hmm. then maybe um but it's just that it has always for me been different i've been away for christmas maybe three times what i experienced this year wasn't that kind of feeling it wasn't the feeling of christmas didn't come it was the feeling of I want it to be over or I'm just not even in the frame of mind to be. And I, I really, I'm still trying to, in a, some way, trying to figure out why I felt yeah. that way. Um, because again, I'm almost like, it's time to take on decorations. <laughs> Whereas in the past, I want to keep decorations up until my birthday, which is the 25th of January. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very long-winded of, winded way of asking about my mental health today. but um, No, it's fine. I think yeah. that's totally fine. I think that um, so I have a friend who recently lost a family member. And so when I asked them, you know, what's the Christmas plans? They were like, they're going to plug up the phone. Because they don't want to see or hear anybody talking about Christmas with family and stuff like that. Because that would make them depressed. Mm. And so I think it's such a, it's such an interesting thing that... We all have expectations of Christmas, and when those are not met, what that can put us into, you know, it's it's interesting and scary at the same time. Yeah, I mean, expectations, I think, more generally can affect our attitude and how we perceive life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if we have an expectation of getting a job or having children or, you know, living in a specific country or mm-hmm. something like that, and it's not met, we can be disappointed. But somehow that disappointment is dealt with differently at different stages of your life. You know, mm-hmm. as a child, you might throw a tantrum for a short period of time <laughs> and then you, you pick up a toy and you forget about the fact yeah. that you're disappointed. As a teenager, you might sulk for an afternoon or a mm-hmm. day or something like that. As an adult, you might have a one bad day, you have a glass of wine or something and you relax yourself and move on sometimes it lasts longer than mm. that depending on the severity of the disappointment it's a question right based on your christmas not being the way you want it to be okay. are you somebody who says okay you know new year's resolution starting next year i plan to do these five things or stop these four things do you absolutely have not okay. i don't do resolutions um i haven't done them for years i used to do them but maybe about 10 years ago, it may not be as long as 10, but close to 10 years ago, I decided to 
focus more on goals and breaking them down into steps, like okay. action steps. So um, I did have categories for my life. So, you know, things like finances, mm-hmm. um, general upskilling, maybe health and fitness, um, maybe just some other thing I may have been working on or wanted to focus on for the year in terms of a category whether it be relationships, so I would maybe break it down into family and friends. And then on the each of those, I would have three big goals and then three steps I can take towards those goals. I'm not as rigid about it and I'm not as mechanical about it anymore. Um, that's the, part of that is from my striving to be a perfectionist in the past and now that I've matured... <laughs> And realize that there's no such thing as perfection. No such thing. And that perfection is the enemy of starting exactly. anything. Exactly. Um, I'm a lot looser with it. So I may still have broad areas that I want to focus on. And I may just do three things mm-hmm. under those areas. And so those were the things that were... The, the action steps are really things that get me closer to the goal. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much achieving the goal, but at least getting myself in the practice of getting closer to achieving right. the goals. The other thing is I don't wait until December, January to do mm. those things because I actually have been trying to focus more on the Jewish calendar. Mm, okay. And the Jewish New Year usually changes somewhere between September and October depending on how the days fall. So I started my list at the end of September into October. So you do have a list. I do have a list, <laughs> but it's less intense. Mm-hmm. Um, there are maybe three major things that I really wanted to focus on for the next year. Um, and they'll keep me occupied mm-hmm. completely. One of them is more related to career path. The other one is more financial. And the third one is personal. So... And personal means whether relationship or health and fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, so little things like that. So yeah, I actually looked at uh, that list maybe last week. The other thing that I've done is instead of focusing on goals as a thing to achieve or do, um, is trying to tap into what I my inner desires or what I want. So I have a list of 100 dreams. I started making a list of 100 oh. dreams in May. How many years are you showing? I'm at 94. Wow, okay. I was trying to get to the 100 before de- before December 31. You have time. There's any magic in December you have 31. Time. You have last time. night I did add a few to that list. And the main reason for doing that was to try to take the limits off of my thinking because I, I believe that we've in some ways been socialized to think with limits. So we think about what is practical, we think about what is possible, but we were really created to do the impossible. Yeah. We're created to deposit something new. We're created to just tap into the thing that is within us and allow it to explode. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of me making that list was one, taking limitations off of my thinking and two, identifying my, what, what, what it is that makes me unique or what it is that is different about my existence 
in the earth. Mm -hmm. So I looked at that list just last night, actually, because I was looking to see what of those desires or what of those dreams that I had written down have already started to manifest or have um, come to life between me yeah. and no. And there are quite a few. Quite a few. I mean, even if it's not the exact same thing, it's on the path right. to getting there. Right. Um, and I didn't want to be too specific with something. Some things I was specific about. So I think I'd shared with you before how on one of them was to get a new phone mm -hmm. before the end of summer <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah, year yeah. because I had a phone that I had been <laughs> using for almost five years. And I really needed to change my phone, but I didn't want to spend a thousand dollars on a brand new smartphone right. and I don't use all the features. Um, and so on that list was a brand new, um, a new phone mm -hmm. without cost to me before the end of summer 2022. And in my practical state of mind, I was using money that I had been gifted to try to purchase the phone, mm -hmm. order the phone and everything. And then I got a brand new phone. So I returned that ordered phone <laughs> at no cost to me. Right. It worked out. <laughs> and it was before the end of summer. So it worked out. It worked out. There are a couple other things that, you know, they look like they're coming along. They may not be as what people may consider frivolous as mm -hmm. a, a thought like that. And some of them are, um, one was related to career. And just in November, I did see things being put in place that look like they're answering that dream. Okay. So. You are a maritime lawyer, correct? Yes. What does a maritime lawyer do? <laughs> maritime lawyers get involved when things go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> More so than attorneys who deal with other issues. Or So a maritime attorney would really provide advice on things like environmental hazards, liability for ship owners, as well as their insurance companies, which are known as P&I clubs or protection and indemnity clubs. Um, we usually assist also with ship registration, registration of mortgages for ships, uh, arresting vessels. So no, we don't put handcuffs on the vessel. <laughs> People always think, what? what does it mean to arrest a vessel? It means making a court application to get a warrant mm -hmm. for the arrest of the vessel. Mm -hmm. And then instructing the relevant personnel to carry out the order. Of course, back in the day, it used to be a situation of actually putting something like a lock with mm -hmm. a chain on the navigational devices. Okay. But most vessels, if not all, in 2022 no longer use physical navigational right. devices that you can chain up like a pirate <laughs> ship that you would yeah. see in a movie. But now you, you have somebody else who comes on and takes control of the, of the vessel. Um, and those, that usually happens if there is a claim against the ship mm -hmm. or the ship owner for specific types of claims. So that's usually what it is. And we arrest the vessel because the ship is deemed to be a separate legal personality in the same way that a person is yeah. an individual or a business is a legal entity. Yeah, fair enough. And so why why this? Or do you also want to be a lawyer? I did always want to be a lawyer. My father's a lawyer. Um, it was more... I liked to reason things out. I like investigative um, activities. And I had that exposure. But I never envisioned myself being the lawyer who goes to court and, 
you know, okay. what people say is perform. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it really is the art of persuasion if you're, if you're going to yeah. be arguing a case in front of a jury yeah. or even a judge. You really need to be persuading the person or the, the panel of individuals who will be making a decision. Um, but I just liked it more from the perspective of the knowledge and trying to figure things out, mm -hmm. not so much talking in court. Actually, when I just became a lawyer, I did say to my potential employers that I had no interest in going to court and talking. <laughs> but I was put in litigation department, which meant I would be going to court all the time. Right. Primarily because I had qualifications in maritime industry and most of the matters that firms in Jamaica tend to get require going to court. For maritime matters that um, attorneys in Jamaica get tend to involve going to court. Okay. So that's part of the reason I end up in litigation. Um, but the other thing I considered doing was being a pilot. I really wanted to be a pilot. You still and every can? now and then I still think to myself, why didn't I? You I still can? Eh, maybe not. Anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> you just said a while ago not to limit yourself and the 100 things and true, blah, blah, blah. So true, true, true. Anything is possible. I don't know. The science is, though. <laughs> kind of need to know physics and stuff. Or you can. Or even aviation. Maybe not commercial pilot, but a private pilot. I still need to know how to land the plane. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. I still need to know you can go take thing. lessons on the weekend and stuff like that. Yeah. If you really want to. I don't know. Let's put see. it on your list. You say about hundred. Maybe I need things. to put it. Did I put it on my list? I did not put. Yeah, I'm ninety something, right? I didn't put being a pilot on my list because I just thought of it as not being a possibility anymore. <laughs> it's still very possible. <laughs> so that's interesting. So you had a dream to become a pilot. You're not on that road right now, which is fine. And you have a list of 100 things. Do you think that whether it's school or, or parents or society, do you think that we get stifled from realizing our dreams or from continuing to dream versus you're told or you're influenced to find a path and stick to a path? Yes and no. I think to a large extent, many people are not living their dreams or not living the fullness of their dreams because somewhere along the way they were told to take a detour or um, experienced failure or felt like they didn't have support to be able to step out into the dream. But then there is a sector of the world's population that irrespective of bad experiences or irrespective of practical advice, well-meaning advice mm -hmm, mm -hmm. from parents, teachers, maybe even mentors, they, something within them allowed them to defy that advice and still tap into their creativity or believe in a dream. Um, I would say that when I was younger, I thought anything was possible and to some extent, even now, there are some things I think are possible or I believe are possible mm -hmm. without having a reason to believe that they are possible. <laughs> like, no, when I say reason, no practical reason that a well thinking person would say, okay, mm -hmm. I can see why she thinks this is possible. Mm -hmm. um, 
So there's still some things that I think are possible irrespective of the fact that it may look impossible in the natural or impossible based on where I am. Um, but yeah, many of us I think have been stifled or um, placed on a different path because of opportunities. And sometimes those op- sometimes that detour leads people to dreams that they didn't think right. they had. Or, you know, there pe- you hear stories of people who were doing well in, I don't know, some commercial entity or they were on a path to be in some kind of professional or they had their own business or they had a family business to inherit and things were going well from the, for all intents and purposes, you know, they looked like they were able to live a decent lifestyle and they were never in need of anything but then somehow they had an opportunity for something and it morphed into a career path that is completely unrelated to what they studied yeah and they are happier or feel more fulfilled i should say maybe not happier (laughs) happiness is temporary yeah is it i think so Mm. it's fleeting Fulfillment is, is, is more like more long lasting. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. You can feel fulfilled and be tired or fulfilled or upset, but still be fulfilled or feel um, depleted, but still fulfilled. Happiness is just momentary. Okay. Um was chess on your list of 100 things yes it was <laughs> it sure was so let's talk about that. actually this podcast was too <laughs> <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> even though i don't like public speaking even though i don't have any desire to hear myself recorded being on a podcast before december 31 2022 was on my list that one was a little bit more specific about okay fair enough yeah. so <laughs> chess for example right um i'm teaching a chess mm-hmm Right. How important do you think it is for people to continue to learn new things? Vital. Vital. Okay. But it's like air that we breathe. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. Sorry, I know you didn't finish asking. No, no, it's fine because that's a good answer. I think it's a good answer. It's vital. The minute we stop learning, the minute we stop being curious is when we just sort of seize up and dry out and become depleted. You know? Yeah. There's nothing to challenge us, whether it's a skill. It doesn't have to be formal learning in terms of going to school and getting a degree for something. It could be a skill. You could learn to sew. You could learn to paint. You could learn to cook a new dish. Just something different, something to keep your spirit alive, something to awaken your senses. And I, I you spoke about happiness and fulfillment, and I think that that tends to, that leads to someone learning new things. Because I could learn something today and I'm happy about it, but that's going to disappear. The fulfillment of learning something new is, is long lasting. Yeah. But you have to keep on learning new things to keep on to, to, to feel fulfilled continuously. Because the happiness is going to disappear. Mm-hmm. It's going to disappear. It's going to disappear. And I think way too many persons, including myself, you it's like because we're told you go to school, you get a degree, you get a job. And nobody tells you but you have to keep on doing things to feel fulfilled, to feel like you're adding value to yourself and to other people. It's degree, get a job. But what And getting a job 
doesn't again it doesn't make you happy when you get the offer you feel it's happy it's a means to an end it's a means <laughs> to an end you get the job letter offer you're happy and then it stops that that happiness stops right there and you have to find other things to to yeah. bring that happiness continuously I guess that's why I, I make the distinction between happiness and fulfillment because happiness is something that makes you feel good in a moment, in a moment. you know, or for a season. Whereas fulfillment feeds your soul. Mm-hmm. It's it, I think of it as something that allows you to tap into why you exist. It allows you to deposit a piece of yourself in the earth um, and allows you to continuously discover. So if you have a if you have a let's say you have a a career in a particular field, let's say let's just say it's medicine. You know, fine, there there might be um, this is by no means basic, but you have the, the first level of general practice, mm-hmm. which you have, you, you cover all the things that you should know if mm-hmm. you're going to be in the medical profession, you know, um, and then you may want to get more specialized, whether it's in dermatology or in eye care mm-hmm. or dentistry or something. And the more specialized you get, the more you realize there's more to learn. Right. That was something that was very interesting to me when I became an attorney. Um, I remember maybe for my first year, especially every time I had a matter or I did something, um, prepared for a case, I realized just how much I didn't know. And it, it really shifted this perspective for me of, you know, people they're in school, they want to become an attorney and it's like, okay, great. I've become an attorney now. I got a job. I'm now an attorney. Like I, I have arrived. Yeah. Um, and I never felt like I arrived. I always felt like there's so much I don't know. And so the more I learned, the more I realized how much I did not know. And part of our downfall, I think, as humans is we think we know. But if we don't know that we don't know, <laughs> that's, that is the first problem. Yeah. Because if you, don't, if you think you know everything, you don't know that there are things you don't know. Right. I think that it, it brings a, a level of humility when you mm. realize that there's so much you don't know. Yeah. And so you see people walking around, oh, I have a job, oh, I have a master's, I have a PhD, and some persons are extremely cocky. And you're like, you, there's so much you don't know. Yes, you know a lot about this thing, yeah. but what about everything else? Yeah. And it's that that willingness to acknowledge how yeah. ignorant you are, regardless of how much you've learned, yeah. you are super, you're still super ignorant. Yeah. And I think that that humbles you and gives you a hunger to want to keep on learning more. I mean, more. I think if, you, if you're paying attention, there are some people who never learn that list. <laughs> Let's be real. But, you know, the, the thing is, I realized that there is this perception, especially about attorneys, that they know everything or that they should know everything. And so that is one reason. Um... I usually don't tell people that I'm a lawyer. Like I, usually, I usually wait until as long as I possibly can before that's funny. having them find out that that's what I do. That's funny. Most people don't know don't know what I do. Um, but the other reason I do it is because I find that, especially strangers, 
they always have a question that they wanted answered. You know, like, mm. you know what I've always wanted to know? And it's like the minute they realize that you're a lawyer, they're like, you're a lawyer? You know what I've always wanted to know? And yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? And in my head, I keep thinking, yeah, but you do realize there are basic things that attorneys learn. And then there are so many areas that they wouldn't have any information on because they just don't touch on it in their yeah. practice. You know, so it's like going to... I don't know. You're going to somebody about your knee when they specialize in eyes. And you're just like, no, but you're a doctor. You must can, you can deal with my eyes. But Not it's, really. It's, it's a, a totally different thing. <laughs> it's a lie we've been told, you know, lawyer, doctor, engineer. And, and we're, we're given this dream that, you know, once you go into these professions, life is perfect and they know everything and they run the world. And it's like, it's all a lie, guys. It's all a lie. None of, nobody knows what they're doing. We all need YouTube pages. I want to start one like me. It's a pooch. <laughs> but it's true. It, it's, and so once, <laughs> once you get past that reality, that everybody, everybody's trying. Everybody's trying. That's all we're doing. Every single person. So even the person who you see driving a fancy car, living in a fancy house, who seem to have everything okay, they're just trying as well. It's all a lie. You know, actually, not, you, you brought that up. It reminded me of the, what do we call it, 2007-2008 recession, economic mm-hmm, recession. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I remembered somewhere in my mid-20s thinking like I was failing at life. And that's partially what you just mentioned about, you know, looking at people and thinking that they're ahead. Mm. It was also around the time of Olint and Cash Plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, you know, yes. you go to school, you do, you follow the instructions that you're told. Yes. You go to school, you get a good education, you get a degree, you get a job in a specific field, whatever that field may be, or it's supposed mm-hmm. to be something that should be able to set you up for life, right? And... Somehow it just doesn't seem like the money is enough or somehow it just doesn't seem like you are where you imagined you would have been. Um, And I remember thinking something must be wrong with me, you know, and it's something that supposed studies, I'm going to call because I don't have an actual reference for it. But I do recall hearing especially children born in the 80s who were sort of coddled you know, and given participation certificates and told life goes in a certain way and they're sheltered from the realities of life, maybe more than other generations. Um, there are things that would have happened, which I've subsequently learned, uh, I guess, as an, as an older adult. Um, that would have happened, but your parents and the adults in your life did a really good job of sort of shielding mm-hmm. children from. And I'm talking about things like divorces, things like mm-hmm. outside children, mm-hmm. ch- things like financial ruin, just all the different things that you discover are part of life if you yeah. don't manage your life properly. Yeah. Or if nobody talks to you about these yeah. things can easily happen and then you feel like a failure because nobody told you that this yes. is part of real life. You know, you kind of think, but life is supposed to be breezy. I'm <laughs> supposed to just go to school, get a good education, get a job, buy a house, get married, have kids, and I'll be check, great. Check, check, you know, check, like check. everything will just move, move smoothly. There'll yeah. be no disagreements. I'll never have to worry about how I'm going to put food on the table. I'll never have to worry about if my children have to live in separate homes. I'll never have to worry mm-hmm. about if somebody's going to molest my child. Mm-hmm. None of those things. Mm-hmm. And 
just around that economic recession time. So in addition to those feelings of feeling like something is wrong with you, there were people close to my age who, one, either committed suicide mm -hmm. because they're now, they'd gotten this job offer for an amazing career, especially financial, um, relocated to where whichever country or whichever state <coughs> only to have it taken away from them in the blink of an eye yeah. um, or take on financial responsibility that they were not equipped to manage, which technically, if you had been taught that things can go wrong and you plan for it in a little way, you're not expecting it to go really badly, but you know, just in case, they maybe would have managed a little bit better. There are some people who I don't think ever really recovered from it. There are people mm -hmm. who... Um, just fell into this depression and never came out. And so they've sort of wasted the possibility or the, they've wasted what could be possible with the time that they would still have if they had been taught and continued to learn. I remember, I remember that time as well because when I was working, the firm I was working with brought in a psych psychologist I want to say it was a psychologist yes psychologist to speak to the staff about changes that were made because we did a redundancy exercise so staff was let go of course that affects mm -hmm. the work environment and how people interact with each other it affects workload it mm -hmm. affects, because nobody's getting a raise mm -hmm. there's less staff the work still needs to get done and then of course People are closer to others than some. So some people's friends would have left or been let go. And so it's, you know, dealing with the feeling of guilt. And then, of course, for those who are let go, trying to spin it in a positive way. And I, remem I remember the person who came in speaking, especially because it, it was a general exercise that was done to everybody at the same time. So those who were going to be let go did not know at the time that they were going to be let go. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as attorneys, we knew who was going to be let go, mm -hmm. but support staff didn't necessarily know. And I remembered him saying, think of this as an opportunity to start something that you never did before. Mm -hmm. Think mm -hmm. of it as a fresh start, as, um, as the ideal time to know, start the business that you always wanted to do, learn the skill that you always wanted to learn. Um, because I mean, they're going to get a redundancy package, package and you know, it's a new lease on life. Mm -hmm. Don't think of it as a death sentence sort mm -hmm. of thing. And I, I, it sort of tweaked for me, I suppose in, in tandem with my spiritual growth over the years, that disappointments, we were talking about expectations earlier, mm -hmm. disappointments are not necessarily bad. Yes, we might feel sad. Yes, we might feel angry at times but there is usually something within the disappointment that is an opportunity to respond into something positive yeah. yeah it's you know it's interesting you speak about our parents protecting us from the real world right and i so yes as a parent i'm sure there, there has to be a protect but also inform because at some point they're going to become an adult 
and at some point if you have spent their entire life protecting them you're releasing on ill-prepared persons into the world yeah right and i mean i'm sure there are many things i'm failing at but i try so the other day i was doing a colonoscopy i was like shiloh i'm going to go to the doctor why i'm and clearly you can't explain what it is to a, a four-year-old or five-year-old right. so i said okay what you're going to do put a, put a camera up that is bottom and look at his belly <laughs> simple <laughs> and she understood it maybe next year or next two years she'll understand a bit more why? right or something why or something like that but i think that a lot of times you know we don't we, we don't teach young people realities we try to show the responsibility ourselves not realizing that by doing that we're not preparing them for reality yeah. and uh, i also think that a lot has changed in the world so you mm. know a lot, of, a lot of parents would have spent 40 years work at Scotia Bank and it was safe everything was secure mm-hmm. everything was great mm-hmm. and then our generation we are experiencing mass layoffs because things are changed. technology is here one computer can do what 50 people did before right and so if you're not prepared if, if you grew up seeing mother and father working for 40 years in one company and then you get a job and get fired the next day you physically are you're like what is this thing happening mm-hmm. to me and it's what i find interesting is that so i worked at a company a few years ago and or when i was starting out and they did a lot of layoffs very quickly no what that has done with to me which is not good either my fight or flight at any company is extremely sensitive and so i start a job on monday thinking i'm going to leave on tuesday which is not good <laughs> loyalty to our job is not there for me mm-hmm. because i saw what happened to half my friends mm-hmm. and so it's weird because we're living in a time where companies want loyalty but they will also ask you within 24 hours because they have to you know increase decrease opex increase revenue as it's like mm-hmm. the, the human element of a job is decreasing for private companies exponentially day by day and it's how do how how do we prepare the upcoming humans to work hard to be loyalish to our company but yet still be prepared and and just recognize that you are going to be employed number 5001 that's all you are to them you're just a number and you're in school, you're doing very well in school, you're getting all A's, all that great stuff, and you feel you're at the top of the school. The second you enter the working world, you are at the bottom of the barrel. You are just employee number 5,000. Nobody cares about you. Yeah. That is also a hit on people's psyche. Yeah. Because you're built up. I'm this big, great mm-hmm. person at school, and not just an employee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think crisis management, for sure, is something that um, requires exposure at different levels of our lives. And the, the crisis can be in different forms. You have different types of crisis, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, because more and more, this this concept of being a number or this concept of having to live up to expectations or to look like you're succeeding because you are doing the other things that people have or doing the other things that people are doing or have the other things that they have, um, 
is creating a health crisis mm-hmm. and not just physical but mental as well and so that's that's why we're seeing i believe seemingly healthy youngish people dying mm-hmm. physically their bodies are physically dying because it's stressed from something it's stressed mm-hmm. whether mentally it's stressed because of lack of sleep it's stressed because of anxiety it's stressed because of um coping mechanisms to try to deal with life and i, w- I remember saying to my parents after the or somewhere around that economic recession time too because it it, it, beca- it became clear to me then that this concept of having a job for a lifetime was fading yeah you know it it, it wasn't really something that getting a job was not the answer or not how life worked and then of course with the advancement of technology it continued to become clear that people didn't really care if you had a degree <laughs> or not yeah. um, once you could get something done or once you could provide a solution to a problem with or without the paper yeah um, or the, the letters the designation of letters with your name you could be valuable to them um, and also you didn't have to stay in the same place. So to a large extent, I think our generation was taught it looks bad on your resume if you've been jumping around yes. for short periods of time, yes. you know, you don't stay anywhere long because again, as you mentioned, you know, it, it doesn't look like you're loyal or it doesn't look like you're a team player. Right. Um, at the same time, there is a downfall, I think, to not necessarily having some skill sets or these skill sets. So not that a person can't be successful or valuable or isn't considered valuable if they don't have formal training. Experience very often trumps training. Mm-hmm. But the two, there's there's magic in the two. Um, and so if a person, because of their experience, is put in a particular position, the desire to continue to be fulfilled and to continue to learn is what kind of I think where the where the the fullness of their potential becomes realized. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation. If you enjoyed it and you want to dive into a similar what next episode, check out the links in the podcast description or head to the whatnextpodcast.com. And remember, make it your mission to make somebody else's day better.